Hello, this is Matt Sherman, Eagles backs coach, and you're listening to Rugger Matrix USA. Yes, indeed you are. Thanks very much, Matt Sherman. The Shermanator, episode 007 of Rugger Matrix USA. Hello, I'm your host, Juro Sen, joined in a moment by a very happy Bruce McLean. Looking forward to that. Matt Sherman, he's done it all. Backs coach for the USA Eagles and head coach of San Diego State. Yes, hello and welcome to episode 7 of Rugger Matrix USA. Uh, born out of the world's most popular rugby podcast in Rugger Matrix International, but the USA show is kicking along, and why not, with my good mate from New York City, Bruce Bruiser McLean. G'day, Bruce. Yeah. Hey, we're doing very well here, and I'm really excited to have our next guest. He's the age-grade development guy. He's the head coach at San Diego State University. He was an assistant coach at Cal Berkeley. He is... He has seven coaches for the Eagles, seven caps, seven coaches. <laughs> He's seven caps for the Eagles. He actually has seven, nine, co- nine caps as a coach of the Eagles, and they're four and five, and that's, and that, and that's a pretty, pretty uh, good record as far as Eagle coaches go. And, and we're, we're happy to welcome Matt Sherman, our man, on the show right now. How you doing, Matty, buddy? I'm doing good, Bruce. Thanks, and uh, thanks, Bruce and Drew, both for having me. Welcome to the show, and uh, well, the Eagles. Uh, we mention it every week, but uh, you've got phase one out of the way. How's the preparation going for the World Cup? Uh, it's going well. You know, I think uh, Eddie went through the the calendar now uh, with you guys on a previous show. You know, like you said, phase one is out of the way up until uh, the Uruguay win. Everything was geared towards qualifying and. Uh, now that we've done that, we can gear everything towards the World Cup in uh, 18 months' time. So, uh, I'm sorry, more like uh, 20 months' time. But so, you know, it's a lot of preparations putting together this year's calendar and looking forward to building towards New Zealand. You you have to deal with not only getting people ready for New Zealand, you have to get people ready for the 2015 World Cup as well. and And then all these other things going on. It's, it's gotta be kind of a hectic thing for you. Is that true? Yeah, it is. There's a, there's a, a lot going on and a lot of uh, names and faces swirling through my brain sometimes. Um, but it's also a lot of fun. And we just, uh, we just recently had a, an age grade combined camp with the U twenties and high school Americans in, um, Santa Barbara, um, California. And it was a, uh, a great and productive camp. Both teams got to play two games and spend a week together training. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, I think, uh, you know, you talk about 2015 in England and a lot of these guys and, and 2016 and, and, uh, Brazil as well, the Olympics for some of these guys, uh, coming through the pipeline. But, you know, now that, like I said, there's a, there's more of a 20 month calendar towards the world cup. I think, you know, we're starting to see some pretty talented uh, players in these teams. And, and some of these guys may even push for 2011. You know, we'll see, we'll see what develops, but uh, you know, there were some impressive performances. So we'll see what happens. So Matt, how do you fit it all in? You've not only have the uh, assistant role there at the Eagles, um, but you've got a whole host of other roles with American rugby. And uh, how do you prioritize your time? Because I guess uh, one thing is, is just as important as the other. Yeah, well, well, I think uh, the priority is always with the senior national team, and, and, and you know, 
this was a busy year, especially, you know, nine, nine weeks together, um, was a long time and overall it was a pretty busy year, but, um, you know, you just, you just try and balance things as best you can and press on and do as much as you can. And, and fortunately with, uh, you know, the age grade teams, um, the all Americans, um, the U twenties and, and the high school all Americans, you know, we have some great staffs in place that, that work very hard and, and, uh, really make a lot of sacrifices and do their best to do everything they can for the guys when they're in camp and they make it uh, a lot easier when you're working with guys that are so dedicated. Matty, uh, you know, one of the things that Rob Holder had mentioned last week was that he wanted to compare apples to apples and that the, the high school Americans had 16 players that had played against oh the Canadian under 17s the prior year and and they had lost 30 to 5 and then those same players kind of came through and beat the Canadian under 17s pretty heavily but they they weren't there was nobody who returned on the Canadian under 17s and 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 one of the, one of his concerns was that we we work within our system of of high schools, colleges, and and U twenties based on the on the uh, on the IRB, but high schools and colleges are how we do things, and then the IRB does things on the under seventeens, under eighteens, and then they then they do it on the under twenties level. And and how how do we de- determine how we're going to do apples to apples kind of things here? Sure. Well, first of all, you know I I agree with you. Uh... In terms of buying into our system, you know, we're very unique, I think, as a sporting culture. And that was really one of the one of the reasons why we went to the the high school All-American um, team. You know, I, I really like to – I want to start referring to the age-grade uh, program as the All-American program with the collegiate All-Americans, the junior All-Americans being the U-20s, and then the high school All-Americans. And we still feature that U-20 team because of the uh, IRB tournament, um, which we're actually sitting out of this year because it doesn't fit in with our academic and – domestic uh, rugby season calendar. But uh, anyways, with the high school All-Americans, um, you know, when we look at why we did that, not only because, like I said, it fits in um, you know, with the American model and branding, um, it's also, you know, gives us some flexibility. We can, like you said, you know, select about probably half about seniors and, and maybe really stand out juniors and sophomores, but it's harder to project guys when they're younger. And essentially at the end of the day, you know, these are investments, you know, we're investing in guys and bringing them in spending money. So, uh, we want to get a greater return, and that I think will ensure that you know we invest, we make a wise investment. With the uh, with the scheduling, you know, I would agree with Rob Holder's assessment. It was a little bit of uh, apples to oranges, and that's not ideal. But um, you know, what goes into scheduling, you know, international matches or all these camps, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, and obviously you can't just always have it the way you want it. Um, I think you know. The criteria for us is that, you know, one, we can get a good hard game that challenges us. Uh, if it's an international team, that makes it even better. And I'm really all for trying to, to continually build, um, you know, the, the competition and rivalry at a young age between us and Canada. We're going to start doing this um, with the U-17s, but I think they're going to they're start making it Canada the U-18, so it's more even with our high school Americans, a home and away thing each year. And that's economical for us. We don't have to travel around the world to look for international competition. Um, same with the collegiate All-Americans. We're potentially exploring 
um, a universities type type uh, competition with a Canadian universities team and, and some touring sides. So um, th there's no reason that we need to pay uh, three times as much all the time to travel around the world if we can find consistent competition that that pushes our guys here. It may not always be the same, you know. Maybe U17, some guys are seniors and some guys are juniors, and it it doesn't line up perfectly. But uh, you know, it, it it may be what's best for us, at least in my opinion. And it was the same with the U20s. You know, we played the New Zealand U21s, and they were you know significantly older. I think um, most of their guys were 20, and some were 21, where most of our guys were 18 and 19. But with that said, I know. Um, Coach Ray Lane and his staff are really happy, you know, to play a, a quality team and, and really push their side and be exposed. And that team from one game to another two days later uh, made tremendous gains. You know, those players haven't been exposed to that sort of speed of the game and you know, the quality of the kicking out of the New Zealand side was was uh, really impressive. Um, so, you know, even though it wasn't a perfect U20 to U20 matchup, the uh, it gave us a lot of purpose and it gave us a lot of value. But when, when you look at what you were able to do against the the U20 side in New Zealand, you, our U20 side against the New Zealand University side that was definitely more experienced than ours. What do you think we need to do in terms of development and, and what areas do you think that we were weakest in and what areas did you think that we had strength in that we can add to our strength and we can our negligences or, or, or where, we, where we're not good enough, what do we have to do to change it and, and turn that around to make that game a bit closer, especially at the collegiate level or the U, U, U20 level? Essentially, it's the same thing. Right. Um, I think uh, kind of three areas where we, where we were really beaten badly. Um, the first was at the breakdown. Um, at, at the tackle contest. We competed well in the set pieces, but at the tackle uh, contest, the first game, um, it was something atrocious, like 60% uh, ball retention. And, and the Kiwis were just so uh, so much more efficient at getting to the ball and over the ball quickly. And not only that, they played at a much lower body height. Their shoulders were below ours, I think, at, at almost every breakdown. And we made a lot of improvement from that first game to the second game. Um, in that area and I think part of it was just uh, for some of these guys it's just seeing it done like that or experiencing that speed of the game and that the game being played at that body height so that's one area I think the second area was um, the tactical kicking exchange I mean our, our deep three hadn't seen a, a fly half or a nine or a ten who could kick the ball as accurately to the corners and you know if you weren't positioned properly and weren't on your horse early you know that ball was going to bounce behind you and um, you know, we were, our forwards were running backwards all day um, because of that. You know, I think, again, that comes with experience of, of seeing the game and experiencing live being in a game like that where uh, you get exposed to that sort of uh, high skill level. And uh, I think it's the skill level there. And then for our deep three, it's also the tactical understanding of how to read the cues to when to anticipate when another team's going to kick the ball and, you know, how to defend the corner as well. So, that, that was a second area. And then the third area, you know, I think sometimes, in my opinion, you know, I think there's sometimes a, a confusion or not a confusion, but people always say, you know, maybe we're not fit enough. And I think, uh, you know, even though uh, we, I think we were fit enough, I think we're as fit or close to as fit as the, as the Kiwis uh, in these games. In the second game, 
you know, although we were with them for about 35 minutes, we looked like we, we died of, of uh, and we just ran out of gas. And I don't think it was that we weren't fit enough. It's that we don't read the game and we don't anticipate the game as well. So we waste energy running to rucks and then bouncing back out to the place we were five seconds ago. And, and we probably we're not as efficient with our bodies because we're, we're a step behind the game, not anticipating what's going to happen next. So I think that's an area where we get exposed, especially these young guys. That's a good point, Matt, because you and McKenzie, you're obviously a very astute coach, talks about teams that uh, aren't efficient in style. And he, he's, he's found a few international sides and provincial teams that, that play like that. And uh, he, he was nominating Wales as one of those in the Six Nations last year where they weren't efficient in the way they played and therefore when you get to uh, the 60 minute mark where a lot of teams fall over it happened a bit earlier for you guys but uh, that's that's a big thing about knowing when to use your energy and when to, when to save it up Yeah I, I, I would agree wholeheartedly I think especially where the game's going you know the modern game I think it's really you have this kind of all players have every skill set most players have most skill sets you know, once you get outside the set piece, it's kind of play rugby. And I think, you know, you watch like, you know, Super 14 and things like that. They're going back and forth, touchline to touchline. And guys are just dropping straight back. No one's really chasing the ball because they know, you know, if it comes out to a forward in the back line, he can put it through his hands. And if, you know, it goes into a, a tackle situation, you know, the backs, they can go in and win the ruck. Everyone's kind of doing all things. And, you know, I think, one, you got to have the skills to do that. But, two, then you have to, you know, really be able to read the game and anticipate uh, what's going to happen next and not, not waste your energy, you know, see a phase or two ahead of where you're going to be needed, when you're going to be needed and how to put yourself in a position then to, to do what you need to do. So I, I really think that's uh, for our young guys, you know, something that they get exposed to, especially at this sort of camp playing against a team at the level of New Zealand universities. And I think they made a lot of improvements and the coaching staffs did really well. Uh, both those teams of, of taking the film and, and using that as a tool to, uh, to learn and you know there's only one training session in between both games and I think both teams make significant grounds just by you know breaking down the film and talking about the tactical um, aspects um, that they could learn from. It seems like uh, there's a fair bit of realism amongst all levels of the coaching set up for American rugby I mean you're not you're not uh, willing just to play I guess a minnow and, and be happy with those results you're prepared to learn even if it takes a pasting yeah i think you know i i think what's best is that no matter who who the competition is we get pushed um and we get exposed a little bit to a new level um a new speed of the game i mean we don't want to you know we don't want that to get out of hand and it's being far too difficult or far too easy i think there's a balance there and i think especially with these with these uh junior teams you know the goal is more about development. It's not about winning the game right now. Um, and so, you know, at these camps, for instance, we spend a lot more time on, on skill development uh, than we would on putting in a tactical game plan to win a game. It's more about skills versus schemes. And we don't taper back probably as much as we should have, so they should be fresh because that time is so valuable. And the coaches are really on board with this. You know, they're willing to sacrifice the fact that uh, it's not, they're not doing everything just to win a game. They're doing everything to make these players better so that down the road, they'll be better senior Eagles, hopefully, and help that team win um, in, in years' time. Well, one, one of the things that Rob was talking about is that he feels that the the younger players, and they need to be developed individually, 
And when you get to the senior national team, that it, it becomes more of a team thing. And Juro, Juro totally agreed uh, as an Australian, as an Australian, as part of the Australian management team. And, and I think that that's, you, you really had a good balance in, in the, in the competition level that you had in, in this, in this series where you played the under 17s of Canada, it was a good balance. So, all right, we were a little bit better than them, but not a lot better. And, and we were able to, and we performed to the level that we should have. We beat them by a score that we should have. And the, when we played New Zealand under 21, New Zealand universities, who was on the 22s on the 21s, they would be, we appropriately competed against them for what we were worth. Is, is is that a is that a good assessment as to how we how we perform this this past you know couple weeks? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think uh, you know, looking at the results, it, it was you know we've, with the U twenties playing an older, uh, experienced New Zealand side, you know, we probably expected them to struggle a little bit, but you know, they closed the gap between games, which is the most important thing. And they competed well, you know, they weren't, even though they were probably, we were probably slightly smaller, uh, competed physically and we improved from game to game. And with the high school Americans, like you said, yes, we're, we're slightly older and, and we should expect to win that game and win comfortably. And um, we did well, um, but, you know, it was still, it was, a, it, was, it was a challenging game. And I think the main point, you know, that you, you brought up there at the beginning that it sounds like Rob Holder discussed earlier was that, you know, this is more about um, individual development and finding guys who are going to be, you know, ideally senior Eagles, Eagles one day, you know? And so with these camps, like I said, there's a lot more emphasis on skill development than what you'd see at, you know, a senior Eagle camp where you're, you're focusing on patterns and tactics and um, how you're going to win the game at the end, you know, on Saturday, you know, these camps, um, we try to give at many of the camps, not all of them, this one, we didn't do it. They did it previously uh, before selection, but we do kind of a standardized strength and conditioning uh, test where, you know, there's, there's benchmarks per position, per age group, high school, U20, All-American, and, and those go up. And, you know, kind of the goal is that, you know, when they come in, they need to show improvement each camp. Um, and then we also um, give the players, you know, individual develop, development programs is what we call them. And, uh, you know, those will be, you know, players will sit down with the coaches at their position and kind of do a one-on-one audit, you know, look at their strengths as a player, their weaknesses as a player, then talk about, you know, if they're invited back to camp, what are, you know, kind of three performance areas they're going to show improvement on. And then probably the most important thing is what are the processes that they're going to do at home to see those performance improvements. So, you know, if Johnny's a fly half, he's going to go out and, you know, work on his goal kicking three times a week for 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day, or, you know, different things for different players. Right. But the goal is, is that, you know, let's be realistic here. This is, you know, three weeks out of a, um, out of a, out of a player's season in 52, you know, so it's part of their, you know, it's a small sliver of their development. Now it might be the most challenging games they play in out of the year, which is very good for the development, but they're going to go back to their club, back to their home, and they need to have a, a roadmap of what they need to work on and how they're going to improve. And that's what we're trying to give them so that they can, you know, come back a better player in camp and we can be better individuals and better as a team at the next camp. For those national teams. Matt, what about the roadmap for uh, Todd Clever? That that's taken him on a, a journey to South Africa again, and uh, another season with the, the Lions. Now that experience, as he told us on the show a couple of weeks ago, was invaluable. But what have you noticed in the in the in in the player himself for the changes that he's brought back to the the Eagles? Yeah, I think you know 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Todd just seems to get better and better. And, uh, you know, his impact, I think, you know, almost anyone who knows anything about rugby saw the impact that he made when he came into the side this summer, um, you know, leading from the front. And, uh, you know, he kind of, he just makes big plays happen um, and kind of you know, leads with his passion as well. And I think, you know, linking, this, linking Todd kind of back to the, the age grade programs, I think, you know, it's important to note he is, uh, you know, he, he came through some of those programs and, um, you know, it's pretty inspirational to a lot of these young guys. You know, in fact, I saw a couple of U twenties watching a uh, super 14 tape with Todd in it when we were at camp and, you know, you see the wheels spinning in these guys heads, the motivation to, you know, work that much harder to see, you know, Todd's, you know, kind of carved out a pathway that's now unique, um, you know, to Americans that, that, that they could potentially go down and play in the super 14, you know, same with, you know, Dan Lyle and Dave Hodges and Tom Billups in the late nineties with the premiership, you know, now there's, now there's this other pathway developing. So hopefully we can, you know, get more guys to get motivation off of Todd's example and continue to, uh, to send guys down there and, and be successful. Yes, Bruce, that's the important thing that uh, Todd has not only come through the American development system. He's not just been snapped up as a 17 year old and gone to the lines. He's, he's actually done in the hard yards in the American system. Oh yeah, Todd has definitely done the hard yards in the American system. He he played the the U19s. He was he and, and for three years he played the collegiate all Americans for three years. And, and 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 during the time period, he was picked as a senior national team player from 2003 on. Yeah, Todd has Todd has been the man. And 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 I just wanted to ask Matt, what about? You know how when teams first come out there, they beat themselves, and you know you have to you have to get yourself into a, into a position to make teams beat you. You don't want to beat yourself, and I think that might have happened in the first game with the U20s against the Collegiate All Americans and the, the um, not the Collegiate All Americans, the New Zealand All Americans, the New Zealand uh, University side, and. How do you get people to get themselves on the same page and where they realize that we don't want to beat ourselves? We want to play territory. We want to play in their half. We want to, you know, we, we, you could do things and play run and gun rugby, but you could beat yourself playing great rugby. And it, the object of the game is to outscore the opposition. It's not to outplay them. And how do you see that? And how did the, under under 20s improve from where they were in game one to where they were in game two like not not having the i call it the ron, ron lasheski calls it jersey shock jersey shock where you say oh they're new zealanders we can't beat them but you know what then you realize 20 minutes into the game we're just as good as these guys yeah i think uh i think we talk about being Beating yourself, I think that's a pretty valid point that, that we actually saw in that first game. I think where that really applied was uh, kind of our tactics out of our own half. And, um, you know, I think the teams probably try to play too much rugby out of their own half. And I think that's just a lesson that we takes a while to learn for any young player, especially the halfbacks, is that how to assess the different qualities of ball you have in your own half and, um you know, choosing the right opportunity to kick it and play territory versus keep trying to play with bad ball. And we probably tried to do that a little too much. Um, the first game, the 20s did, and, and, you know, the tactics uh, changed in the second game. 
Um, so we definitely, you know, we definitely saw some of that. Where we probably beat ourselves with trying to do too much. And then, you know, you're behind in the game early on and you try and play too much rugby. Um, but they definitely played a better territory game. And like I said earlier in, in the U20 game, the, the New Zealand kickers were excellent. I mean, very good kickers. And uh, our D3 was uh, taught, a, taught a quick lesson on, you know, positional play. And, you know, we were backed up in our own end a lot. Um, I think, again, with, with the young guys, like you said, not beating yourselves too, the other thing is just having simple tactics, you know, so we don't have to complicate things. And I think the coaches did a good job of that with both teams. Oh, Bronk, I just want to ask you a quick question because you were with the Waratahs and with the Wallabies. Is that you saw in in Super 14 and Super 15, the Super 14 rugby and Super 12 rugby that you see teams in South Africa who are tremendously talented. Todd Clever's team, the Lions, and they play too much rugby in their own half, and they beat themselves. And where the Waratahs can go down there and they can win a game and they may not even outplay them, but they can win the game because the other team beats themselves. And, yeah. and, and how important is that, you know, like, like we said, you, you know, you don't, it's not about outplaying the opposition. It's not about being on YouTube. It's about actually winning the game. That's an interesting uh, question, Bruce, because uh, more and more the pressure is coming from, the hierarchy to play uh, attractive rugby, which is what well, you're talking about, outplaying them rather than winning, uh, and uh, that is another thing that's been that's entered into the the coaching manual. Unfortunately, uh, for rugby in Australia more than New Zealand, uh, it's up against rugby league, and so there's this battle for the entertainment dollar, and it adds a new dynamic to your coaching strategy, which you, you just don't want. Now, what what uh, has enabled Australian teams to be successful in the Super 14 has been intelligence, and uh, that's by being uh, smarter at the coaching table and, and devising mm-hmm. tactics, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I've seen the Cheetahs uh, play against uh, the Waratahs in the past, and they've come up with these unbelievably uh, convoluted and uh, complex moves setting up pods in several areas of the field to to then feed a backline move and then then come back to another pod some crazy stuff but it doesn't do anything we just go ahead and do the normal stuff and and it works uh it means that the game may not be may not be sexy as an attractive which and i'm sorry to have to actually have to bring that up but that's the pressure that the game is under in, in australia at the moment so forget about just winning it's about how you win, which is unfortunately uh, an extra thing uh, for for Australian coaches to put up with. Now, uh, Matt, you, you can tell us straight out: are you are you under pressure at all to to win with a certain style or just win full stop? Because it, it actually is uh, um, a double requirement now in Australia. No, I I, I think we're we're just win full stop. You know, that's that's where uh, I mean, if we just start winning consistently maybe we can uh try and win more more attractively but uh yeah i mean the goal is to win and i think you know it's interesting you know playing out of your own half um i, I played down at ramwick in australia for a season and obviously you know they, they like to throw the ball around and, well they're the, uh, they're the classic entertainers yeah but uh it was i i thought it was fairly uh you know reasonable and pretty intelligent one of the talking to one of their coaches one day he was saying you know, out of your own half is your best opportunity to play with the ball because they got to be worried about the depth of the field and the deep three are back. And 
um, you know, there's opportunities there to play, but it's that risk reward that you always kind of gamble on. And I think, you know, what we looked at, you know, I'll use the example this summer is when we played Canada on uh, July 4th, you know, leading up to that, you know, we base our attack and our exit strategy a lot about how they might, we might feel they're going to play positionally. And, you know, looking at the Canada tape, they were dropping uh, five guys off of kickoffs and, you know, out of, out of what uh, we call the white zone, kind of around 22 to 50, they were, they were leaving the deep three back. So, you know, I think the strategy that we employed, and I think you see a lot of teams do this is kind of the, move the ball out into the centers. If you're going right to left to a left foot kicker, left to right to a right foot kicker, and um, kind of you have the option that if they don't respect your ability to run, you can put the ball through your hands and, and go for the corner. And if they do fly up, you kind of open up the corner and, and then kick it from there. So I think I think teams are getting more creative by creating kind of optional attacks where they can move the ball and ask questions of the D3 and the rotation and then still kick or run. I think that's creating a, a more interesting game, the way teams play out of their own half. Now, I think tactically, Matt, uh, if you look at the success of the Canterbury Crusaders uh, over a, a long period of time, uh, you, you see a team that has a clear game plan. And there's no secret to it, but they are always planted across the paddock. They, they have one player on one sideline and then they have another on, on the other sideline all day. The forwards can play with the ball, but uh, they do uh, strike on counter. Now, everyone knows how they play, but they have one thing that a lot of other teams don't, and that's the discipline to, to maintain the game plan. Yeah. I mean, they, most people and teams and coaches can probably draw it up how they want, want it to be done. It's just having it having it done is, is another thing. How do you work on that? If you want, how do you get discipline into your squad? <laughs> Oh, that's a tough question. Without, I, without, without brutally whipping them. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think it's just, you know, clear communication and having a simple plan that everyone can understand. As long as people can understand um, the plan and what's being discussed, then, then it's possible to achieve. And I think film is also a really useful tool um, for teaching people and, and everyone learning and getting on the same page. Matt, you, you, guys, uh, you guys work on film. You work now... There's coaching. It, it, this is this is interesting because people go out, like club coaches go out, like me, and and we have to coach on the field. You get the coach off the field and then on the field. And how much more efficient does that make you when you are able to look at everything in a meeting room for a half hour or so, and then go back on the field and work on things? And and make things and and turn it into a, a good process straight away. It, it ha, what what is that, what what's that like? Yeah, I, I compared think it, to San Diego State, where it, you probably don't have that opportunity. Sure. Yeah. No. I I think it's incredibly valuable. You know. I think um, you know different people. You know the different uh, you know, educational research. Uh, programs you know show that different people learn in different ways you know some people visual some people you know by experiencing and um, so for one you get to offer guys who may not you may tell them what what you you think they should be doing and they just may not may not see it or may not understand it um and to go out you know like i'll use the example of you know when we run our set piece moves or our, our, our what we call our rolling plays things we can do in face play and we train them against a, a defense and 
you know, we, we, we put a lot of emphasis into like accuracy of the running lines and the timing and, and that the moves don't just happen. You know, we have to make them happen. And when you get to see that in slow motion against the defense on film, it, it, you, you know, sometimes it uh, becomes far more clear and evident, you know, what we're trying to get across and achieve. I think, you know, when you're in the moment and everything's happening at pace and on a training field, sometimes it's harder to get that. So I, I personally, I'm a big believer in the value of film. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, on these national team assemblies, we have a lot of time to use that. I know, you know, Eddie's a big fan of it. And, uh, you know, almost every session, it seems like we, we preface with some film review from the, from the session before. What about the back line for the Eagles, uh, Matt? Let's talk about that now, and that's your, your bread and butter, basically. And uh, this uh, this American team will have a lot of responsibility over the next year or so. Uh, but how do you see you, your back line developing? And and do you think that um, you'll eventually adopt a, a game plan that, uh, that may in, involve a multiple uh, playmakers? Uh, you see it in New Zealand all the time where they're... Uh, First five and second five eight, as they call them, uh, running the show. Sure, um, yeah, I, you know I think it's a uh, it's a very good backline, exciting backline. I think if you look at some of the players we had uh, both in the summer and the fall, I mean there's there's good athletes, there's good skilled players, there's players with really good vision, um, and I, I think we had some really good moments uh, in both those assemblies. I think with the question about, you know, a second playmaker in that style, I think, um, you know, that that will depend on personnel. You know, I, I, it's hard to say, you know, it depends if, if you have somebody in that role who, who has a skill set to, to do those things, then you can, you can open up the game that way. But I think, you know, it, it remains to be seen via selection and everything else who's going to be in what position. But overall, I think, you know, in general, you know, my experience when I was playing with the Eagles, I always felt like it was kind of, uh, you know, we were a forwards team. And uh, I think now, I think, you know, I think the backs have really, you know, th there's some excellent players back there. And we have a chance moving forward to really uh, be an impressive and explosive back line. And I think, uh, I think we started to show some moments of that over the summer and the fall. And I'm, I really, I really enjoy working with, uh, with all the guys. I mean, they're, they're very committed. Um, you know, they're very proud to be there and, you know, obviously, you know, they make a lot of sacrifices to be there, but, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to have guys that are so enthusiastic and not only enthusiastic, but, you know, quality players and quality guys. Well, obviously, you need your 5'8 and your insides, outside centre to to try and bend in that uh, defensive line. Do you get much uh, intellectual feedback from the players themselves that are they're helping you devise a strategy how to uh, break the, the line that you're running into? Yeah, quite a bit. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I think it's important. You know, these players have gotten to this level because because they know what they're doing. You know, they they've, they've been successful at at multiple levels, and you know, part of the reason that they've been successful is not only because they're good athletes and have good skills, but because they're smart, intelligent players and, and people. And uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you got to have one guy making the call. You know, um, you know, a holistically, and then and then one guy making the call. You know, from a unit's perspective, but I think it's important to get feedback and and uh, input from all these guys. And that, you know, there's a there's a lot of very experienced players in that backline that uh, you know that I learned from. You know, and, and you know, I feel like you know we work together and we uh, figure out what's you know what's best for us each, each each given week. You know, in terms of strategy and tactics. And what sort of environment do you foster with the players? You know, 
Matt, where I'm coming from is uh, if someone suggests an idea, do they get laughed off or shouted down? Are, they, are people free to express ideas? And, you know, as we've said, like uh, 99% might be rubbish, but you've got to have the confidence to, to throw something up there because it may just work. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my personal belief is that most of the guys feel uh, pretty open to expressing ideas. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, there's going to be, um, you know, we don't want to just try, uh, you know, have multiple schemes and not be successful. you got to have one plan that everyone's going to stick to. And that's really one thing we focus on, you know, in the back line. We might change our tactics from one week to the next uh, based on, you know, the defense we're facing, the personnel, the line speed, what they're doing. Um but we always try and keep it simple and, and say, well, you know, while it might be one look, we'll have three or four plays with a couple options in each. And this is what we're going to do. And we don't need 10 things that we do okay. We want three or four things that we do really well. You know, so, um, you know, we, we, we gather our input and opinions in terms of what we want to do. And then we decide what that's going to be. And then we, we get busy being as good as we can be at that game plan each week. You want to make an impact in New Zealand in 2011. Will you save something specifically for one of the games you're targeting there? Oh, that's. Uh, I know it's a long way my, out. I know it's a long way out, <laughs> but, but I mean, if you know what I'm saying about making that impact, I mean, that's where you want to make it, isn't it? Right. Sure. And I mean, you know, I think. Oh, I've been I've been with coaching staff who've done that way out where they've. Uh, maybe not this far out, but at least you know a couple of months out, they had some sort of idea of what they want to say for a certain opposition, for the for the big stage. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've seen who our opponents are, and I haven't even looked at the schedule in terms of how it shakes down. But you know, I think that that'd probably be a, a question for Eddie, you know, for the boss. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think in the meantime, you know, it's about just developing players so we can be the best team we can in 20 months. You know, and. Uh, I think, you know, as we get closer, we might start to look towards who we're playing and how we're going to approach it. But again, you know, I might want to bring back Eddie on the show for that one. Uh, although we will definitely be pumping about that later on. But um, are you happy with the progress then that you're making? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you know, I, I'm really excited. You know, we beat, you know, we won four games out of the last five. And, and that's... Uh, that's important, you know, to start winning and, and developing a, a winning culture and um, just the confidence that we can go out and win games. And uh, I was really excited, you know, walking away from the summer, I think, you know, we were, I think it was a really, uh, I think we played really well and really hard in the July 4th game. And the guys were really uh, fired up and excited by that victory. And, uh, you know, I think we kind of, we fell off and we let ourselves down a little bit the next week against Canada which was kind of a bitter taste to take out of the summer. But then to come back a couple months later, go down to Uruguay, get a win, win another game against Uruguay, finish the year with four wins out of five. You know, I think it's created a lot of uh, enthusiasm and momentum in the team. And, uh, you know, I feel like performance-wise, we've been consistently improving. And, you know, the goal was just to, to keep you building on that. It sounds like the, the disappointment against Canada wasn't such a bad thing after all. Yeah, you know, maybe there's something to that, you know, that, that even though, you know, we lost and then we had to qualify uh, through another avenue that maybe uh, it gave us some motivation. You know, I, it's tough to say. I, I still would have really liked to have beaten Canada on their home soil, and I know the guys would have. And, but, 
you know, maybe maybe it gave us a little extra motivation to come back, uh, you know, stronger. I remember there was, you know, it was a pretty somber locker room after that game, and you know, some of the players spoke pretty openly about, you know, what they were going to do the next time they get they came together and they did it, you know, and, and that's pretty cool. And so maybe that's maybe that's giving us a little bit of a kickstart. But I know, you know, personally, I feel there's a lot of momentum and a lot of uh, enthusiasm, and uh, you know, I think that comes part of that comes with winning winning four out of the last five and another part comes with just i feel like we're in general we're improving we're getting better as a team and as a nation and that's uh that's all real positive well you know i gotta say that i i i think it was i think it was good but i i gotta say that i i would i would have as you said i i would have wanted to win that game and it was it was a real disappointment it's got to be a huge disappointment now you were going back to – I'm going to go back to the under-20s a second where you said you had the 60% ball retention at the breakdown for the under-20s and you probably want 95 98% of ball retention. What did you do to change that and what do you do on the Eagles to change that in terms of practice and in terms of what are you, what are you trying to do like – from a from a physical and mental perspective to get that right sure um well from the new zealand game um you know with the with the u20s you know, you know the staff's just a lot of it was about um body height and urgency to get into the breakdown you know um it probably actually started with the ball carriers you know going down too quickly and not working hard enough to put the ball back but uh you know, the, the Kiwis were so great at getting so, you know, being, being like hawks over a ball very quickly if you got isolated or if you weren't urgent enough getting to a player who was, who was going to the ground. And then the biggest thing was that their, their body heights were just so much lower. I mean, their shoulders were under ours almost every time. And um, so the coaches, you know, put a lot into discussing that with the players about, you know, going out on the field and working on uh, body heights and positioning. And like I said, they only had one session, one day between the two games. So it wasn't like they could go out and smash each other under a, a rucking net. Now, with the Eagles, you know, um, one thing I've, I've definitely learned a lot a lot uh, this last year is, you know, efficiency at the ruck. Um, Eddie puts a lot into that. And, uh, you know, they, we started out. And, you know, that's kind of, as you know, Dan Payne's department um, with the team. And so, you know, pretty much once a week, I feel like we, we will get under the rucking net with Dan and work on our body heights and our efficiency. And, and we use the rucking net out at the age grade camp as well to work on, on body heights with them. And I think with the Eagles and with Dan, you know, we also, where Dan and I kind of overlap is, is, is tactics and, you know, making sure that, you know, what the backs might be doing with the ball is that we're able to resource a, a breakdown no matter what we do, you know, and uh, Almost every game, in fact, I'll say every game, you know, when when we go into a game and we discuss our goals as backs, the number one goal is always possession and momentum. No matter what we do, we want to hang on to the ball and we want to keep things going forward. And so that fits in with, you know, the uh, the tackle contest and uh, continuity, which is, like I said, Dan's specialty. Uh, who were the great players on the age grade programs that you saw? Who were the people that you think probably translate into Eagles, and what programs are they from? Sure. Um, you know, I again, this is a projection. You know, I'm trying, but there's there's definitely some players that are really impressing that are you know worth keeping an eye on as they go forward. 
Um, one player who was very impressive this last camp was uh, Don Patty, who's a scrum half out of Highland High um, in Utah. He's now at University of Utah. He actually went with uh, this, this the Belmont Shore Sevens team, kind of an Eagle development team with Al Caravelli as their technical advisor. And you know, I spoke to Al yesterday. It sounds like Don did, did very well down there. Um, he's, he's one to watch, you know, he's a powerful runner, um, very committed, very professional, you know, the attitudes, um, great. And, uh, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, th there's a lot of players, a, a guy wasn't able to come to camp, uh, but did very well this summer with the collegiate all Americans is Cameron Dolan. It's a big lock at life university, uh, down there with Dan Payne. He came from Florida. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a big, strong guy works very hard and he's one to watch a couple other guys at this camp. I was really impressed with David Tamalau, who was with the U twenties last year. He's a football player out of San Francisco city college and he plays rugby in the spring with Paul Keeler at San Francisco golden gate. Um, and he is, I mean, he's a machine. Every time he gets the ball, he might be running three guys, but he's going to go forward. He's just a very determined um, guy. And he's played lock. It's a loose forward, probably smaller lock. Um, Another guy that was pretty impressive in the backs is um, James Jones, who is a freshman now with St. Mary's, uh, goes by the name of Bubba, which is great. <laughs> and uh, he came out of Christian Brothers out of that uh, Sacramento Valley where high school rugby is huge. And we're getting more and more players. We had uh, a few guys out of Jesuit there at these camps. Um, anyways, he's a very impressive athlete. I'd expect you'll see him uh, you know, doing some good things with St. Mary's this year. In fact, speaking with Kevin Battle uh, with UCSB, who was helping run the camp, he was saying they played St. Mary's and, and, and James Jones was, was all over the place. So, you know, there's a few guys, you know, there's, there's also Dimitri. Um, I can't pronounce his last name. I, I apologize to him, but something along the lines of Ethetau. And he's, uh, he's a guy who's not going to the university system right now, but he's a club player at Mystic River, 19 years old. He's been to a couple sevens camps, done well there. Um, winger fullback, and he also went with that Belmont Shore team. Um, so there's a few, you know, out, out of the U20 program, and you know, there's a couple guys doing really well in the high school program as well. One of your guys, actually, Bruce, uh, who couldn't come to this camp, but uh, I know at the last camp he was really impressive. Uh, Sean Carley um, was very good for us, and that's a few to name a few. I mean, I could go on all day. You're the backs coach of the Eagles, and you're the head coach of San Diego State. That and, you know they're a Final Four team, and 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 you have. What's the difference between coaching at at the San Diego State level and the Eagle level, and what do you do in practice from the San San Diego State level, and what do you do in practice at the Eagle level? What's like a typical week of what what is it like to be a back? on the Eagles, what's it like to be a back on San Diego State? I'd say the biggest thing with the backs is that, you know, at San Diego State, we spend a lot more time on skill development where, you know, with, with the Eagles, we really don't have time to do that. We might have some time to do some one-on-one -on -one kicking practice in between sessions. But, I mean, realistically, you know, on, on an average week, I'd say, you know, you might have two 30-minute periods of units, uh, maybe a, a last 15-minute period um, the day before a game to kind of walk through some things. So 
most weeks with with the Eagles, you know, because you know it's just the way the cookie crumbles. You know, when you think about it, you have to spend time on defense, on continuity. You got to do your team run and, and your tactical implementation. So we might have two to three unit periods where um, we need to focus on implementing that week's game plan. So we'll work on our strike moves from the set piece, from the line out and the scrum. Uh, we'll, we'll implement our rolling plays, uh, what we call our rolling plays, which is plays that we can run out of a certain shape in the back line uh, within the pattern, the overall team pattern that we're doing. And then we'll spend some time usually on counterattacking. Um, so, you know, for, for one, we, we generally don't have time to do skill development. And secondly, you know, the players at that level, um, you know, far greater along in terms of their skill level than the collegiate level, obviously. Um, so with San Diego State, you know, to be realistic, if, if you want to do some of the things that we're doing at the Eagle level without developing the skills, you just couldn't do them. You'd break down, you know. So um, I'd say that, you know, we spend a lot more time working on, you know, kicking execution in terms of how to actually physically, you know, kick the ball, line kick, and then, you know, handling the ball, passing, you know, a lot of times just passing and realigning and things of that nature. So it's generally more simpler and, and there's more emphasis on, you know, skill development. All right, Matt, uh, very well answered and it's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the show today, Bruce. You just keep finding him. Good fellow, Matt, and uh, a big job ahead over the next, uh, well, period of time. Yeah, no, it's a big job and an exciting time. And, uh, you know, rugby's growing in this country, and it's a great thing. And uh, I think it's great that you guys are doing the show as well. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we love doing it. And uh, I think it's just great that, uh, that you're starting to shake the tree a bit. And Todd Clever playing for the Lions is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I think... Uh, from the southern hemisphere's point of view, he will start to get more and more attention, which is which is great for American rugby as well. Bruce, uh, how you hanging in there, mate? Okay, I'm doing all right, buddy. I'm I'm, I'm uh, pretty happy, <laughs> and I'm really happy that Maddie was here to be able to be on our show. It's good stuff. And what about the USA Sevens, Bruce? We say it every week before we go. You gotta be there, baby. I'm gonna be there. You gotta be there too. Matt, are you going to be there? I will be there, Bruce. Matt's going to be there. Feb 13, 14 in Vegas. It is the place to be. What are you looking forward to there, Matt? Uh, Well, in Vegas, actually, we're uh, taking the San Diego State team out as well. So uh, we're going to play Cal on on the Friday afternoon, which will be a, a big challenge for us, obviously. And then we play Central Washington as well, another very good team on Saturday morning and uh, the other stuff going on in the game out there. Obviously a lot of people out there uh, to see and to talk to and uh, looking forward to see the seventh team play as well. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of young, exciting players. I know they probably weren't, you know, completely happy with the results from the first two weeks, uh, first two tournaments. But you know, I, I, I go down to those seventh camps at uh, Chula Vista before they leave the domestic camps and, there's some good young players in that program that I think uh, are going to start coming through and popping up on the 15th team as well. And uh, I, I really feel they're going to uh, improve and hopefully they can, you know, take some momentum out of how well they did last year in, in uh, the USA Sevens tournament. That was exciting, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And Matt, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Matt Sherman, Eagles backs coach. Thanks for joining us for Episode 7 of Rugger Matrix USA. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. Have a good one, guys.
All right, there it is, Bruce. Uh, We will see you next week. That is the end of the show for this week as we get closer to the sevens in Vegas. You gotta be there.